I acknowledge with gratitude that I'm a settler who lives and creates on the unceded traditional territories of the Semiamu First Nation, which lies within the shared territories of the Kwantlen, Katsi, and Stolo First Nations. Welcome to the ADHD-friendly lifestyle, the place to practice putting on our own oxygen mask so we can breathe and make it possible to show up in our own lives without guilt or shame. I'm your host, Moira Maven, a woman, mom, and educator, and I have late-diagnosed ADHD. There are things that I wish I had known about my ADHD sooner, and I want to share them with you. We are in this together, and I am so excited that in today's episode, I have a very special guest who is creating her own ADHD-friendly lifestyle and also helps me with my own accountability, support, and sometimes tells me to put my foot down and go to bed. We're going to be answering listener questions, and as my quote of the day says, this episode is fueled by caffeine, some sarcasm, and maybe some inappropriate thoughts. If you didn't get your chance to submit your listener questions, you still can for future episodes. Go to ADHDFriendlyLifestyle.com or ADHD Friendly Lifestyle on Facebook to connect with me. If you enjoy today or other episodes, please help us with increasing awareness and understanding of ADHD by subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. Welcome to the show. Welcome Marathon. to the ADHD Friendly Lifestyle. I'm your host, Moira Maven, Thank a woman, mom, educator, so and I have late diagnosed ADHD. I heard of you before this is the I place to practice getting rid of guilt or shame and spending more time with our strengths and passions. Mastermind there are in things the hot that I wish I had known about my ADHD and sooner I thought, Here's someone that are allowing else me to make different decisions and to make my life more ADHD friendly. Being and I want to share them with you. So we have known each other for not quite a year yet. But um, it's been great because we've leaned on each other and learned from each other and um, we get a little silly together. So that's kind of fun, too. We have been known to throw each other under the bus. I maybe did it first by accident, but I, to be fair, I was unmedicated that day. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. But you know, that's what I was going to say. The stuff happens. But we promise not to do it today. You know. Except for maybe the game at the end. I don't know. (laughs) Hope to see what you say about that. I'm afraid of a surprise game. <laughs> I worked really hard on it for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it always works. <laughs> Isn't that when we can actually focus? It's yes. Like, oh my God, I have a five minute yes, I'm sure I can do three things in that five minutes. On the podcast, ADHD Friendly Lifestyle, I've shared my diagnosis story. And so I'm just wondering if you would be willing to tell us a little bit about how you got here. So about five years ago, my daughter was diagnosed with you since she was honestly, 18 months, something just wasn't working out right. So she was diagnosed in first grade. And I always wondered for years since graduate school, a friend of mine in graduate school said, oh, you're so ADD. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You're crazy. And, you know, I just turned something late and that kind of thing. But it was always kind of stuck in my head and kind of read about stuff on the internet. And I'd be like, oh, it kind of sounds like me, but it kind of doesn't. Um, and the thing that always threw me off was the fact that Questionnaires always say, do your thoughts raise as though run by a machine? And I thought, no. Like, and I was looking at those checklists all the time as a teacher, and it was like as if by a motor. And I was like, well, no. But when you look at it in the context of, can I stop something? No. Right? It's so difficult to once I've started something to stop. So that's a bit driven. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And the funny part is it's hard to figure out. Do my thoughts race as though run by a motor? I don't know because I don't know how anybody else's thoughts yeah. run. And so to me, 
what I now know is like constant thinking and questions is not no. so normal. No, I've realized that if I don't give my brain something <laughs> kind of good to do, it'll just make up crap to think about. Just like, why? Why would anybody spend time thinking about these things? Because it needs something to do. But I just figured like everybody did yeah. that. Because <laughs> as a kid, like I would, I mean, I would look at like everything around me and I'm sure I would come up with like questions. Like, I wonder why that's that way. And how did they make that thing? And I, I honestly felt like that's, I figured that's how everybody else was. And then I finally asked my husband one time, I'm like, hey, do you do this? And he's like, no. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess it is me. <laughs> we had a thing, my husband and I, when we first got married and we were going for a walk and that I would be spending the whole walk thinking about the rest of the day. And because when I didn't know I had ADHD, I had a lot of anxiety, right? So I spent a lot of time rehearsing and figure things out not to drop things. He'd be on a walk and he'd be like, do, 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 the sky is blue. And I've like got 4 million thoughts going on. And so we were, I was like, have a little bit of me. And can I have a little bit of you, please? If we smoosh them together, it'll be great. But that's, that's, I don't, I honestly don't understand that. I'm like, how? I don't know how people do that because I'm the same way. If I go on a walk, I'm thinking about this and that. And I, it's the weird That thing. changed with medication? Because that changed for me a lot. Yes and no. That's a really good question. I think it's probably more so, not so much that I don't have as many thoughts, but I can pick what I'm going to think about more and kind of stick with it. Yeah. I guess maybe I do have, you know, a reduced number, but it's more so that things become clear when I am trying to think of my next task. It's much more clear to me and it's easier to start on it as opposed to before I always describe it as foggy. Like, say I'm wearing a pair of glasses and it gets Mm -hmm. foggy. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I can never quite get my hands on it. But then with medication, all of a sudden, like the fog lifted and I could see, okay, here's this, this, and this, and I can choose. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier for me. That's interesting. I remember the first time I took medication and I had left the doctor's office, went to the pharmacy, got the medication, took it, started driving home. 20 minutes later, I'm going over a bridge and all of a sudden I'm realizing instead of strategizing, because normally when I would drive, I'd be like, which lane is moving the fastest? Which lane is moving the slowest? And I'm like looking ahead because I hate waiting. So I don't want to get stuck. So I don't drive aggressively, but I drive very strategically. And I wasn't doing that. I was just content to drive. And so it really made it more peaceful in my brain. I got out of the habit of having to control my thoughts so much. That when the medication wears off, if I stay up late, then I go to bed and my brain is so busy that I can't go to sleep. So for me, yeah, I have to make sure I, I don't stay up too late. Well, then that's when I'm stable to the couch scrolling anyway. So, yeah. 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 Um, such an interesting experience, especially when you're late diagnosed and then you take medication for the first time and you can really notice the differences. So if you're very deliberately going to take this medication, I wonder what it's going to do for me. And you're very deliberate in knowing this is how I felt before. How do I feel now? It was obviously an eye-opening thing for me. But I remember I was like telling everybody, everybody who would stand so long enough, to be like, do you know what this is like? I got a new boss. My previous ones really knew me really well. And they're like, oh, that's Moira, right? So I had this very comfortable, warm relationship with my administration. And then I get this new administration and I'm like, and I've just been diagnosed and I'm not medicated yet. And just not the best start. Yeah. 
you know, the hilarious thing is, this is a fantastic tangent. And then I just realized that I don't know that I finished. No, but I was going to pull you back. Your daughter was diagnosed. You were questioning it. Yeah. And so my daughter was diagnosed and I had done a bunch of research looking into what is ADHD and, you know, how does it appear in children and that kind of thing, obviously, you know, that leads to questioning like, okay, wait a minute, do I do that? Do I do that? And that kind of thing. And so it, and I started listening to the podcast with her and I started listening to the podcast. And so I was looking for things to help her, but also finding obviously that these things would be good to me. And, um, and I'm like, okay, this is a thing. And I remember, I still didn't necessarily want to go get a diagnosis, but I remember kind of the breaking point. It was, okay, my kid has a diagnosis. She's going to need help. She's going to need help from me. How do I help her learn these organization strategies or how to implement strategies and that kind of thing? When I realized that I can't do it myself, I have a full-time job, I teach, and it felt like everything was just too much. Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle my work at home. I couldn't mm-hmm. handle my kid's life. Work was overwhelming. Like, everything was just overwhelming, and it really feels like you're juggling all of these things, and I think this is definitely where the, the parent aspect comes in. You're juggling so many things, and it's just the one more thing is the one ball too many. Yeah. And everything started to literally kind of fall down. Yeah. And it had gotten to the point where I thought, I need to quit my job. I need to quit my job because it's taking up too much of my the resources that I'm giving to my job. I need to get to my kid. And I love my job. I, yeah. I love what I do. I don't want to leave it. But I felt like it's too much. It got to the point where I actually went and I talked to my dean. And I, I was leaving. And it was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Mm-hmm. Like literally, the words didn't want to come out of my mouth. And then we had a medication appointment with my daughter's psychiatrist. And I mentioned to her at the end of the appointment, I said, hey, um, I think I might have ADHD and I'm about to quit my job. So I think I might need to figure this out. And she told me, she's like, don't do anything. Let's figure it out first. And the rest is history. That is so great. One of the things, and I want to know who your friend is, that way back, recognize that in you because... It's so easy for women who are smart and capable to hide it. I've been in that place exactly that you have. I'm going to give up everything in my life just to try and keep the family going. The person who told me that was uh, my best friend in graduate school. And she had a son on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And she knew about autism. And so I assume in her reading about autism, you know, the ADHD probably came along with it. She was the one who mentioned to me, <laughs> you're so ADD. So she was the one that recognized it in me. And I look back, I think she had ADHD, which is one of the reasons why I think like we were the best of friends. Like yeah. nobody else in the world knew me like she did. And it was vice versa. Like we were just two peas in a pod. And the funny thing is we were both very successful academically. We were both, you know, we both have master's degrees in biology. Thing, but we both had the same kind of humor, the same kind of free spirit on a whim, jump mm-hmm. car and go somewhere kind of thing. And then I now recognize she was extremely organized, but I feel that she was extremely yeah. organized because of the overcompensation. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was a major coping strategy for me. I have a magnet for people with ADHD. When I picking out childcare providers for my children, and friends and basically looking at it now that I know more about it, most of the people in my life have neurodiversity in some way, either themselves or a family member who has ADHD or learning disabilities or autism. I know there's a lot of people with ADHD who live completely in a neurotypical world and 
That's got to be so hard. <laughs> funny thing is that I'm not even sure, like, how is that? I think that's really true. If you're looking for people who are interested in the same things or kind of have the same vibe as you and that kind of thing, it totally makes sense to me that we would find other ADHD people because they're the people who get mm-hmm. you. And, yeah, I can't imagine being in a situation where you don't have anybody that, that yeah. gets you. And that must be incredibly difficult. And you know what I realized? We are really far into the episode and we haven't done a question yet. So <laughs> start on that. Yes. And I think we're going to have you back for another episode where we do less introductory talking and more questions. The first question I have for you is, what is an ADHD-friendly lifestyle to you? To me, putting in place those structures that help me to maybe get to the things that I need to do. And mind you, this is ideal, right? If I could mm-hmm. wave a magic wand. Having the structures in place, to make those things that are not easy for me easier so that I can accomplish the things I want to accomplish, but also have enough downtime to be with my kids, to be with my husband, and um, and to be with myself, to have that time where I get to do the things that I like to do. And those other things that are not so easy for me are not such a distraction, not such a roadblock. That would be an ADHD-friendly myself having those structures in place to make the hard things easier so that I can enjoy the strengths. And and when you say time for things that you want, do you mean time to be able to free range and let your brain or your nose take where you want to go? Or are there specific things that fill you up that you want to have time for? Hmm. You know, I had not thought of it that way. I guess because it's hard to think of free range time. Not that it never occurred to me, but the thought of having just free-range time seems almost foreign. I think I need to make it more familiar. I think that time would be time for me to decide what I want to do. Do I want to do something structured? I used to be, before COVID, I was in my church choir, and I realized just how much I missed it. So that's one of those Mm -hmm. things. I want to make sure that I have time to do that. Time to pursue artistic stuff. That I'm not a great artist, but I really don't care. So that kind of thing. The reason why I asked about the free ranging too was because I realized that's what keeps me up late at night. When I don't have time, I kind of have this, what I like to do on my iPad and what I like to read and what I like to go through. And, you know, I want to look things up. And when I don't get that time, yeah, then I make it, right? So trying to find that. But then I also think it's the having fun, right? My life turned into having no fun, yes. right? I totally agree. And I think that's something that I'm, for ADHD years, uh, especially, you know, having been in, in the coaching groups and things like that, kind of a common theme that I see is people are so concerned and understandably so about being productive, productive, productive. How do I get more productive? How do I get my work done? How do I get my to-do work done? Which I totally understand. But also after seeing that consistent situation come up, I think, man. We need to not be so concerned about being productive all the time because that's not a happy place to be. No, and it's very North American culture. Like the, the whole notion of only having two weeks off a year and that idea is just, I want to work to live, not live to work. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, it, you know, it's one of those funny things that um, that I have seen work again through the cooking group is kind of that whole do more by doing less. Mm-hmm. You know, how this is going to sound hilarious. How much more productive could we be when we do work in that downtime? For me personally, I think a lot of my lack of productivity comes from the fact that I keep trying. 
keep my nose to the grindstone so much that you're just yeah. kind of burned out. So, if you, you know, plan in those breaks and you plan in that time off. Then when you get back to work, then you're fresh and you can get more done. Um, so you're getting more done by doing less, ironically. Yeah, I know. I, I actually had to take that on when I had, I don't know, my second or third health burnout. Yeah. And the notion of if you were you know, peeling a potato and you were tired, that two left and it would take you 10 minutes, but the level of exhaustion it would take. So if I went and rested and then came back, I'd be fine. But if I pushed through that, it would take a lot longer to recover. So I definitely am using that same thing with the hyper-focus and, and pushing myself too hard. I'm definitely finding the same thing. I call it kind of being hungover, yeah. right? When we do too much, it's... Yeah. <laughs> well... The next section feature is one that I've affectionately called, How Can I Get Shit Done? We've got some questions here. The first one is, how do I remember to close the cupboards? I love this question. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is such a universal problem. <laughs> I've heard so many people comment on leaving the cupboards open. And say, yeah. What are you getting when you go in the cupboard? Is it, is this like the cupboard for plates? Is this the cupboard for, you know, cups or what? And I assume it's in the kitchen. So my answer is if you're forgetting to close the cupboards, what are you going in to get? And whatever it is you're going in to get, maybe try writing a note, you put a little sticky note that reminds you to close the cupboard, but you put it on that top plate. So when you pull the plate out, you're like, oh, what's this? Because you forgot you wrote it. It's- yeah. Yeah, exactly. Surprise. <laughs> Why is there a sticky note? And it says close the cupboard and you're like, oh yeah. Take the little note off, stick it on the nice plate, and then close the cupboard, kind of thing. And so that way, every single time, because you've mm-hmm. forgotten to, that you wrote the note, you're reminded that point of performance, kind of thing, that you need to close the cupboard. I was like, oh, this is perfect. So you just keep moving the sticky note on. I would go back again. What is it that you're getting? And there's things that we just keep out on our counter because they're high frequency use. One thing we did, this isn't with closing the cupboards, but it's on the cupboard vein. To empower our children when they were small, we moved all our plates and cups and dishes to the lower level so that they could get it themselves. There's ways for people to help each other with, you know, if you're not living by yourself and, and, you know, maybe someone goes around and closes the cupboards. So sometimes instead of trying to change your behavior, it's what could you adapt in the situation to make it easier. It would probably happen for me, the more distracted I was, the more I had on my brain. So if I'm having five things go on at once. You know, we could also turn to modern remodeling, decorating techniques as well. Yeah. I watch a lot of HGTV and uh, I hear open shelving very popular these days. So get rid of the cupboard. Yeah, just take the cupboard door right off. <laughs> you need to worry. About it. Unless you're someone who seeing stuff is an issue, but. Could not. My stuff would be falling out. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... It might, or you could get a dog and train them to close it. <laughs> Cat for the upper shelves. Okay. <laughs> okay. The next question is why is it so hard to just write things down? To let my boss know what I've been doing and what I'm going to do. I love this question because that's a lot of executive function. <laughs> I was like, it takes so much time. Yeah. If you want to come across ordered, computers are great for me that way, right? But the idea of just putting your ideas out and then reordering them. But it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. I totally got this question because, and you know, being a teacher, you do a lot of extra stuff that isn't necessarily in your quote job description kind of thing. 
And so you want to make sure that you document these mm-hmm. things so that when your review comes up or whatever, you have a list of look at all the stuff that I've done. And, you know, you make sure and, and put your best foot forward. And the funny thing is a friend of mine who does not have ADHD. Oh, no, 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 wait. Oh, my God. Yes, she does. Surprise. That's hilarious. She just told me the other day. And you forgot. No. You- again, because she's overcompensating. You know, you're, mm-hmm. she's like, make a folder. Things I did in 2020 or whatever. Into the folder, and that way, immediately, when you've done, you've done something, even if you write it on a little slip of paper, it doesn't matter. Stick it in that folder. You can just kind of collect them. Of course, that means you actually have to execute making a folder. And then... And have paper around, right? So you're not... Yeah. One of the things that I really have learned the last few years is the notion of not making any time for stuff like this. It goes back to the... Any activity has a setup, the activity, and a takedown or cleanup. And more often than not, we leave at least one or two of those off, you know? So if we're not having that entire process to an activity, then with something like this, it's really easy not to schedule time for it. So it's like, I want to have this magically done, but I don't have any time in my day or my life to actually do it. You know, question, I was like, well, it's a lot of executive function. I need to have something to write it down on. I need something to write with. I need to remember to do that even. Mm-hmm. And so my thought was technology to the rescue because I thought if you can at least think, okay, I'm going to put it in a memo on my phone. And so like pull out my phone, memo, I did XYZ this week. I, you know, filed the TPS reports or mm-hmm. whatever. The case mm-hmm. And then hopefully you have this at least electronically on your phone and then you, know, you can download them in some way or something like that. There's people that I work with that are doing similar things, then I've gone to them for ideas too, depending on the job or whatever it is. I'm going to the internet. You know, I am so grateful for all the people who make the how to videos and show me how to do stuff and they make the to do list and tell me what I need to do as a homeowner for every month of the year, right? And so then I can take that and figure out what works for me. And then also, I wonder about having a conversation with the boss about how having more of a regular check-in or more of a ongoing conversation might make that easier. Maybe that person would be open to that. Yeah, maybe more regular check-in. And not only that, but that can also increase your communication, which is always something that I think is generally lacking in the workplace. Uh-huh. It's just more communication. And that way you can kind of fine-tune whatever it is. Because maybe your boss doesn't want a list of you know all of the minutia that you've done. And so you're over here worried about Oh my God, how do I document that I, you know, do the A, B, C, and D? And maybe your boss really doesn't want that. Maybe your boss just wants kind of an overview. What were the big projects that you did? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you may be worrying about something that you don't actually even need to worry about. That's never happened. Yeah, I know me neither. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. not true. I'm sure I've made something into a mountain that was molehill. But anyway. Yeah, that's a pretty, I think a pretty common thing. Right. I think we're going to be wrapping up today's episode. Here's the game from one of my favorite podcasters, and they've given me permission. You may know it. Here are your three possibilities. Marry, date, or block, or delete. Someone who can't sit still. Someone who you can't get their attention. Or someone who is always wanting to ditch whatever you're doing and go do something fun. Oh, wait. Let's see. So now so I have to decide would I marry, date, block, or delete? Yes. These three individuals. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Ooh. All right. So, so do, can I only use one option? For yes. Like, yeah. Once I say delete, I, that's it. 
Yeah, you can't. Yeah, no. Okay, so it's like the matching. Mm -hmm. You're going to marry one, you're going to date one, and the other one you're going to block. Okay. Um, Okay. Um, I mean, you can't sit still. Uh, which is what I want to do. Just to do something fun. Not necessarily what you want to do. Just anything. We'll always we'll ditch anything. Let's bail. (laughs) Let's ditch this joint. (laughs) We're out of here, man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then what was the third one? Someone you can't get their attention. They're always in their own head. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to delete the person who I can't get their attention. Out. Mm-hmm. I'm out. If you're yep. never going to pay, why would I want to be with somebody who doesn't pay attention to me? True. Very, very, well, very true. Yep. You sound horribly narcissistic. Mm-hmm. I promise I'm not. They're, let's just assume they're happy in their own world. No. Out. They're done. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. All right. So now, we need to and the person wants to ditch and just go have fun. <laughs> um, that's somebody to date. I, I agree. Because <laughs> it'd be kind of fun if you're dating them. It's not a lifetime commitment. Right? Especially if it was post-COVID, right? You want to leave your house and go do something? Yeah. No, that's the person you date. Yeah. And have fun. And this is yeah. awesome and amazing. Because the thing is, if you marry them, Th- they might they might ditch you for something more fun. <laughs> Wait, but if I'm not the funnest option anymore? That's right. Oh, no. No, that's just a date. So you're going to marry the person who can't sit still. Yeah, because then maybe they will be the one that gets me more active. Because mm-hmm. unfortunately, well, I say, they didn't have the hyperactive part, like the energy hyperactive mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was not an athlete. That was not my thing. So if they can't be sold, then they will get me, you know, out and about and doing more stuff. I would love the can't sit still handy person. My, a friend of mine, uh, her dad retired about 30 years ago and he has, I don't think he sat down, but he has done so much stuff for, you know, building stuff and creating Mm -hmm. stuff. And yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm really looking forward to having you back. (laughs) Bye. I hope you've enjoyed today's show and would love to hear your thoughts. To get in touch, you can write me an email at ask at ADHDfriendlylifestyle.com. Connect with me on my website, Instagram, and Facebook at ADHD Friendly Lifestyle or Twitter at ADHDFL. Every episode has a website page with show notes, transcripts, next steps, resources, and articles related to the topic. To get these, visit ADHDFriendlyLifestyle.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to subscribe on the podcast player of your choice and by taking the time to rate and review it there. And here are other podcasts for your listening pleasure. On Hacking Your ADHD, Will Kerb gives tips, tools, and insights. Brendan Mahan hosts ADHD Essentials, focusing on parenting and education. Thanks for listening. See you later.